0: You're listening to In The Open, a Mental Health America podcast, a space where we explore mental health and navigate the challenges of life through honest and candid conversation. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to In The Open with America and Teresa. Hi, everyone. Today, we're going to talk about making habits stick, or some psychologists also call this social rhythms.
1: Yeah, I like habits better. That's
0: <laughs> I think it's also about routine. Like that's why yeah. it's not just habits, it's about routine and it's about being in tune with your body and what your body needs to create ritual. It's not just a habit which we think of an action. This is more like global, it feels like.
1: Well, I like the the direction of making it more of a of a ritual. It's a process that you are developing and integrating so that it's not just one one thing that you're doing, it builds on one another.
0: Do you have routine?
1: I, I Yeah. If I didn't have routine, I wouldn't function well.
0: <laughs> Do you think that part of flailing about sometimes is that you don't have routine? And when you don't, it's just too easy to fall into traps?
1: Yes. Like, let's say, you know, I have a day off from work. Yeah. And I'm like, you could do anything, and I, and my brain's just like, ah, oh, what? What do you mean? You can do anything. You and then it's just too much. Where if I was going about my day, I would be like, okay, well, at this time, I would be doing this and I'd be doing this. So I struggle with that.
0: Totally, a day off or suddenly like getting off early or. And then if you don't have something you know you're going to, it's like you you kind of do what your body needs. Do you find sometimes you end up taking a nap and then you, sh- you take a five-hour nap?
1: Yeah, I can do that. Even even just yesterday, I wasn't feeling the greatest. And my fiance was like, why don't you go take a nap? And I said, no, I can't. And he was like, "Why why can't you? And I was like, because if I take a nap now, then I won't be able to sleep tonight that's, that's more important for me because my sleep is like critical.
0: Yes. Okay. So I I just need to hear when you think of your routine,
1: what, what's a part of your routine? Immediately sleeping the hours of, of when I go to sleep, when I, when I wake up, that's part of my routine. Another part of my routine is like what actually happens once I wake up and that process to kind of get me ready for the day. Mm-hmm. Some other aspects to like the people that I may connect with during the day. There's some folks that I talk to on a regular. So when I don't, I'm kind of like thrown off a little bit. Communications with folks like here, maybe at work or with family and friends. And then some activities that are important, like eating at a, at a good time. Uh-huh. That's part of my routine. I have to I have to do that. Some downtime too, like for me to disengage from like work and give myself a little bit of time in there is not exercise, but it should be. Yeah.
0: Are any of your routines time bound, meaning, you know, you go to bed every day at this time and wake up at this time. Or or do you say once I start going to bed, this is my
1: routine? No, most of mine are time bound. Wow. Really? Yeah, but that makes that tracks with who (laughs) I am, babe. Yeah, yeah.
0: I go to bed at a different time every day,
1: every single but, day. But once
0: I go to bed, I have certain things I have to do, and that I, I consider part of my routine.
1: Okay, like what does that mean?
0: I mean, the easy stuff is like brushing my teeth, but I also do this weird thing where I have to make my bed
1: before you before you get into it. Uh-huh.
0: I have to prep my bed to, so that when I lay into it, it feels the way my bed needs to feel. For me to settle in. Because if the blanket is pulled too weirdly <laughs> high up. Okay. It gets. It just. It feels weird. Like it's a sensory thing. You know.
1: Well I make my bed every morning. That's part of my routine.
0: I don't make my bed ever. I make well, my bed that's... at night. To get ready for bed. Okay. The lights. If there's light in the in the room. Okay. I have to shut that out. Things like that. That I've learned for sleep. Sleep habits. But. Even as you said. As I said the question. I realized. I don't. Ha I, my rituals, I realize this sounds true for you too, that the rituals that we create tell you what's important in your life. So when you ask yourself, do I have a ritual? If you're prioritizing something enough to have a ritual, it probably says something about what matters to you and what doesn't matter to you.
1: <laughs> yeah. I would agree to that statement
0: eating and cooking, if I'm going to go out with somebody and I, and I know I see them once a month or I see them a specific time, the habit and the ritual of it is so important because in I'm gearing up for it. I'm getting excited. I'm giving myself the time to say I commit to this thing. Mm-hmm. That's like a really big benefit.
1: Totally. I, the other day I made this statement. Um, we had really good weather here in Northern Virginia and... I was like, if I was a good pet mom, I would go home right now and take a long walk with my dog. Yeah. But I was like crazy busy, yeah. was super busy at work, and I didn't leave until it was already later in the day. Yeah. You know, I was down on that, and I was like, the reality of the needs of the day, you know, took away my opportunity to do that. But at the same time, I was like, you could have set better boundaries. Like all of this yeah. is internal talk. You could have set better boundaries and said, no, I'm going to dedicate X amount of time to this. So it does speak to what you're talking about, right? Where our priority yeah. lies. You will, we will never
0: have time. Yeah. If you're, you have a job and you work and then you choose to have other responsibilities like pets and children, or whatever volunteer work, like your days are gone.
1: Yeah. Yeah,
0: And I feel like some things they could just take from you endlessly, like a job is that kind of thing, where if you gave yourself into work, you could work forever.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And you have to set a boundary with it if you want to say that I'm going to prioritize myself or these relationships over the endless responsibilities that otherwise come up.
1: That is very interesting. And, it, and I think – I'm trying to think back to when I was single, if some of the things that I do now are still like kind of live through that time frame. And some of them are like the need for, for, for structure, I think is part of of the need that exists within my system, right? Like my internal ecosystem, I definitely know that I have to get at least like six to eight hours of sleep.
0: I feel like sleep is the universal thing that people struggle with. And so a lot of our ritualization tends to be around sleep and work, Mm -hmm. but you need social relationships. And I think that's where it's hard. I think healthy exercise and food habits are hard and and so are relationships, right? Because you're like – even seeing my kid, like you talk about going home to see your dog, like – for a while, I wasn't even setting a boundary around work and I was letting child care take care of my children. And I realized for years I was not seeing my children. I would see them after I pick them up from school or childcare and then just like sort of feed them and just go to bed. And you're like, what is happening, you know?
1: Right. right. Because
0: it's like if I did not make a commitment to say these number of days I'm committing to making a habit and seeing and doing this thing and making a ritual of it, it was so easy to fall back on just whatever other process was taking care of whatever you had to take care of.
1: Does that make sense? It does make sense. I think it speaks to the idea of we oftentimes get set in our in our comfort zone. Yeah. And and this is just the progression of how things go, right? You start doing something, it feels good, and maybe it's not the best choice, but it it's just part of what's happening during the day. And unless you you kind of focus in on that and say, I want to actually change this, and you refrain from doing maybe something that's not in your best interest, yeah, and put effort, which is hard, the the requirement of Effort and saying, "Oh God, it's so much easier if I just not do this thing," which I, which is where I think we need to go
0: next. It's mm-hmm. like, what makes something work to to make it routine? And effort feels like a very weird thing. Like, what is effort? You know, like I don't actually know that I've ever just said, "Oh, put effort into something" and miraculously
1: happen. You know what I mean? Yeah, there's a lot of thought. A lot of internal conversations like, oh, is it really worth it? And that requires definition too, right? And people say, well, what do you mean worth it? For me, these are the conversations that I have. I
0: think that's where desire runs up against need.
1: Mm, Yeah.
0: Where it's like, if I want something or I think it's better for me, it's fine. Like, I'll probably never commit to it until I need to then you need it it's like not want it's like I have to do this right. if I don't things are gonna fall apart mm-hmm. and then it it's like procrastination it's like life-based procrastination when you want something or you think it's good for you it doesn't feel like you ever actually do it until the doctor says if you don't do this you're gonna die and then even then sometimes the habit's hard you know <laughs> like oh, what yeah. point is the need so great or what is it that what, what's your point of, this is what people talk about rock bottom, right? I hit my rock bottom. And that's when I finally changed. It's like, oh, when something moved from being a desire to a need.
1: Yeah. And I think it ties to that question about effort, right? Where there's a lot of thought that happens during your contemplation of like, oh, maybe I should, maybe I shouldn't. And then the effort is you actually deciding to put an action together and to actually do something about it. Even if it's a small thing, it does help to create like a little bit of motion to keep you moving there. I forget this term. Maybe you know it, but it's the idea like, let's say if you wanted to exercise and you don't feel good about exercising, but you know that you have to do it for your health benefits and everything. So you like begrudgingly, you're like, fine, I'm going to go exercise and you're going. And then part of what happens is that your brain has, it's like a lead up to the fact that, you know, your brain will feel better if you're actually doing this. Yeah, there's a psychological term for that.
0: It's an anticipation of it. It's the anticipation of knowing, have Have you found something that works for you to set, a, set yourself on the right track? Because for me, if I have to really want something, and then I'm self-motivated to do it. Saying every Friday is this is me time and I'm going to go with somebody. So I'm super excited to meet up with my friend and hang out with them. And they're saying that. But there's, there's a social component too where there's pressure. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, if I need to do something, even if I'm about to die, <laughs> there has to be a social pressure attached to it. And I don't know what that is, if that's about me, but I know it now after having tried to do things by myself and even seeing how long it takes for me to build habits when I'm just doing it by myself. If I basically have somebody to do it with me, it's it's the one sure thing that I know will kickstart me on a track, but it's also a big factor for me delaying stuff too because I know once I say to somebody like, oh, you're going to do this with me, and then they say yes, that I I have
1: <laughs> to, you know? Right. I don't think it's just you. I think it's actually uh, a very human need and behavior that we all engage in because then you are putting yourself against yourself either your your word has value right when you say you're going to do something you actually do it
0: and my words have no value yeah
1: (laughs) so by having an external component to it that person becomes that regulator that says hey but you said you were going to do it yeah Unless they're also in this place that are like, okay, let's not do it. <laughs> it yeah, no, for case. sure.
0: Which happens too. You know, yes. I know certain things and certain people. I mean, that's a part of my negotiation, my brain too. I'm like, oh, I'm going to do this thing, but I'm going to ask this person because I know they're also equally as flaky as I am about this thing. <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: I feel like there's this idea that there are people out there who just can make lists and pursue them. Well, <laughs> and just, just, they just do it. And you're like, what is that? What? quality am I missing that I can't just make a list, make a
1: commitment to an action, even if I want it and go. Well you're talking about like an external validator. In many ways the list function as an external validator for me. Like if it's on my list, it's gonna get done. For real? Yeah, like it and if it's not done, like it will irk me.
0: What does your list look like? I mean do you have a pad that's a specific pad for your list?
1: I, I use Google Keep. This is not sponsored in any way. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I use Google Keep. So I have like a list for work stuff. I have a list for home stuff. And you follow it? Yeah. If like it I goes go, on your
0: list, you do that thing?
1: Yeah. So what's funny is I have that, not... So
0: that is a ritual. That
1: is a ritual for like me. H-
0: having your Google Keep has become a ritual. Yes. Okay.
1: But, no, you know, one thing that's not on that list and I, maybe I should do this, is to say like 30 minutes of alone time doing X something. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because if I had that, then I would consistently see that and be like, look, it's still as a to-do.
0: That's part of like, I think, knowing yourself well. Yeah. Because if you're looking at creating a habit, which is a lifestyle change, you have to know the way your brain and your body responds to rewards. Mm-hmm. For you, a checklist. I, I only respond to social rewards. Maybe that's why I'm naturally like I have to take whatever it is that I want to do. Like even running, mm-hmm. I don't like to run at all. But if I run with someone, even if I don't like them very much, it's still a social reward. And that's the motivator. You so know? what
1: happens if your running buddy is not available? Oh, I, I won't go. Right. Well, you know, if I
0: want to cook well, I have to find a friend who wants to cook well with me. It's it's wild. Otherwise, I'll literally eat top ramen and bologna sandwiches (laughs) every day. Just cereal. I have to have some kind of social. Thing like I have to cook for someone. I Mm -hmm. can't even cook for myself. Right. And then sometimes even with certain family members, I'm like, oh, no, I'm lumping you into the me mold. <laughs> so I can't even cook well for you
1: anymore. It's kind of like you've normalized these folks that it's like, well, you don't really count. You don't really count <laughs> because I have to prove myself to somebody else and you already know.
0: or Or I'm not getting the benefit. So like mm-hmm. my kids, for example... When I feed them, they never like my food. In fact, it's a battle. They're like, what is this? What did you make? I don't <laughs> eat that. So it's work. But when I cook for adults, mm-hmm. especially if I cook a nice meal, they're like, oh, this is great. You know, you're getting something. These are the rewards that I get back
1: Okay.
0: that I need to motivate me to do a thing.
1: So let me ask you one question about this cooking. The cooking aspect of it, for you, it's a ritual in that you're preparing something for somebody else to eat. But do you also feel like accomplishment because you've cooked something that you can also eat? Sometimes I don't even eat my own food. Okay.
0: And I have to really ritualize it. When I was just cooking for myself or my family, it was kind of a problem because then I just throw whatever together at the last minute or it was pretty haphazard, which caused stress. And now I was very lucky that our family, a couple of us have gotten together where we feed each other. Okay. So that became a ritual. And I realized how much doing these standard things or just practicing a habit in this way gave me the opportunity to instill a ritual that I think a lot of people can naturally do. Like people do naturally don't find it as hard as I do to say, I'm going to go to the store. I'm going to They. it is hard every talk to any woman and, and that person will or parent or cook the person who is responsible for cooking. And it's the worst thing to do to be like, what's for dinner. Yeah. What the what's for dinner ritual is a whole thing. But when I didn't have any buddy to cook for, I just fell back to cereal and sandwiches.
1: Well, I think, too, what you're speaking to is about this idea of also creating community. Right. And, and then that community yeah. becomes um, a fire for you to continue to then feel nourished. Yeah. By the social validation. And then you're like, oh, yeah, I, I actually do like this. And so it reinforces the positive feelings that you're having.
0: And and it, to me I think that's the final thing about a habit is that like you can want something and then you can need something but the things that stick you get something back from you get
1: mm-hmm. some
0: enjoyment some positive aspect and I think that that's why sometimes habits that are not great for us we like drinking you know or you you kind of engage in a a ritual and you you can anticipate the good stuff that's gonna come from it and the way that feels. But with other habits, sometimes we're not paying enough attention to the way we're also feeling good. And especially like food or exercise, those things can take time, you know, to feel good or to see the way your body is benefiting from healthier foods or and so it doesn't click in your brain or you don't you're not, you're not right. spending that time to say, Oh, how much did I enjoy that? Like so that you can stick with it.
1: Yeah. You know? Kind of what you're speaking about is like the immediate rewards where you're like when somebody, when you've cooked something, you're like, "Mm, that's delicious. Whereas I've been working for three months and I I don't even know if anything's changed. Right. Like so that part of it is the patience that you need to be able to wait for the reward, which I don't necessarily have that patience.
0: No, I think that you're spot on. Your reward is checking the thing off your list. Mm-hmm. So you need to add it to your list. I wouldn't start yeah. with like 30 minutes, you know, try five or 10. That way you can accomplish your yeah. task and then your reward is actually checking it off, which you know that you've built that ritual into your life.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: For you, you've identified that you can create ritual and habits by checking something off your list and that feels very good.
1: It does. It does feel very good. I think, too, one of the things like one of my good friends is doing. She literally has like a calendar where Mm -hmm. she's, you know, anytime she's doing the thing that she needs to do, she marks it. So Mm -hmm. it's it's visual um, stimulation that you can have consistently. Those types of things work for me because they become these external validators without having the need to have somebody say, oh, America, have you done such and such? Mm Because I think that gets super annoying for people.
0: Yeah. Like, how do you get reward? Is it internal reward or do you have to get reward from others?
1: I mean, I can get external praise, but I don't know that that is as strong as an internal one that says, you actually actually did what you said you were going to do. That is probably why
0: lists work for you.
1: Mm Mm-hmm.
0: Because I'm realizing as we're talking, I'm like, maybe I need to practice what it feels like to give myself intrinsic, internal reward and to sit with that and feel good feelings. But I think that I'm not like a verbal lover. I don't love verbally. But the one way that I received love and the greatest form of love was if my parents gave verbal affirmation, which was also given out very little. hmm but when it was given, it was meaningful. Like once every two years, my mom would say, good job. <laughs> <laughs> and now I'm like, oh, my gosh, this is why that's what I'm seeking. It's because
1: you didn't have enough of it.
0: When someone says out loud, my food is good or, wow, you look good, that'll last me For two years. For a while. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. But I I think it's also, it's very hard for folks like myself that we may may not always need that external validation and and we rely on our internal validation. Mm -hmm. We can be very hard on ourselves when we don't accomplish all the things that are on our lists. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's not just that one tool that I use. I do need external validation as well. Like when I want to engage in something that's like harder for me, like exercise and doing it on a consistent basis, Mm -hmm. it works so much better if I have somebody that's coming to the house, you know, like my cousin and she's like, Hey, I'm coming to pick you up in 30 minutes. And I'm like, ah, okay. And I will figure out what needs to be figured out so that I can actually do it because I need that push in the harder parts of where habits need to build.
0: And see, that's that's where I think breaking this process down has been interesting because I need that other person too. Mm-hmm. But when you describe what that person is giving you, you're talking about they're activating you. So mm-hmm. you feel pressure or like you're thinking through like, is that it? Because I'm realizing that my, when I talked earlier about needing accountability or needing socialness hmm. it is the pressure but what really drives me now I realize is the positive affirmation that i receive as part of this yeah even though most of us have some sense where we that we need somebody to be accountable to things i don't think we take a time to step back to say what am i really getting out of this and how does what i get out of it what part makes me feel good is about who i am and unique to me and then how do I feed that part of it and make it even bigger so that I can own and have intention about the way that I'm making habits.
1: You know, the thing that comes to um, mind is like right in my face is this idea how when there are folks out there that talk about doing something for 21 days, 21 days, and then 90 days later, it becomes part of your ritual lifestyle. Yeah.
0: 21 days for a habit, 90 days for a lifestyle change.
1: And I'm like, okay, have I done anything for 21 days straight that is now part of my lifestyle? And there are things, but not the things that are the hardest things. Yeah. So there is some additional thought that's required on my part to really explore what need exists there so that I can then find a tool to engage
0: And I would say, what is your reward system and how can you think about what you want to accomplish, but fit your reward system to match the way that you're going to get joy or reward from your experience so that as you try to do your 21 days or 90 days of X that we're kind of approaching it differently. like. I think I've always been bothered by the 21 day or the 90 day rule. Cause then it's just checking a bot. It's just like a list. It's not really helping me figure out what's driving me mm-hmm. or like, I'm not giving myself that time. I'm like, it becomes a chore in and of itself, which is not right. a reward. You know, Yeah, it's a chore. How can I switch my brain so I can see it as a benefit and not just to, to do like a, another thing. That's a burden
1: what's the reward ice cream
0: (laughs) I mean for some people that works that definitely worked for me for a while with exercise I was like I'll do this if that also means I can go eat ice cream which all in all still was a good benefit because like exercising was good for my heart and I still got ice cream who cares
1: yeah let me let me ask you though some of the things that maybe folks struggle with which are more internal right where it's For instance, like negative self-talk, where consistently Mm. you, you know, all the stuff that lives in our head that we are just bombarded with these really not nice things that we say to ourselves. And that's a habit that I would want to break.
0: When I first struggled with negative thoughts, they were so automatic and so pervasive that I had to use post-its. So you know, I'd use my physical environment to snap me out of a bad space. And then even the negative self-talk, the problem is like when you engage in the negative self-talk, you actually believe in the negative negative self-talk. and then when you engage in positive self-talk, it's painful, or you don't believe the positive thing. So there's some reward in beating yourself up until there's time for you to feel internalize the benefit. And the positivity that comes with believing a positive self-talk, yeah. then it becomes global because then it's like, well, who am I hanging out with? And how do those people reinforce a positive frame versus there was a lot of time in my life where I was hanging out with people who were not good for me, you know? And I was like, well, I believe that this is what I deserve or like, yeah, whatever. These are friends. So in that way, at least- I don't know. I think that there's something there too. Like, do you get something out of beating yourself up? Are you seeing that? I mean, I feel like we've talked about this in a couple of our episodes. We're like, are, are you getting something out of engaging in negative or unhealthy behaviors or belief systems? Like it's clearly serving you. Why else would you keep doing it?
1: Yeah, I would say that one aspect to this, to this conversation and um this idea around the negative self-talk too is being able to to start at the beginning and say, what are the things that you want to modify, right, that are not serving you well and start from there to see what can be changed? And what you were saying earlier, right, like, OK, so maybe my first goal isn't an hour a day of exercise, but it's five minutes today where I'm going to go and spend time outside and actually doing that. And then tomorrow it's 20 and so on and so forth and building on that so that you don't, you don't set yourself up for failure.
0: Yeah. For not meeting your goal right. and, and doing it, especially for you, the thing that you know, you're going to benefit from, like, which is to check the checkbox check box. off. Yeah. yeah. Check it off your list. You said, you mentioned about like, if you take something away, I do think replacing it has to be the thing. So if I'm cutting back on a on a behavior I don't want to engage in, it's helpful for me to replace that with something that I do want mm,
1: okay. because
0: just cutting it out feels like a void and mm-hmm. then you're not getting that reward, Yeah, which is why yeah. when you think of just quitting something, that's part of the problem is if your brain is always just like, well, I got to quit this. I can't do it. I can't do it. It's always ever focused about what you can't do. I think it can help to say, okay, I'm going to stop this, but what can I do now because I'm not doing the other thing? Right. What can I do? What can I do? This is the thing I can do now that does help me in some of the ways that what I'm letting go of helps me. But now I'm rooting myself towards Something a positive, positive change. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. That's interesting. That, I, I like that idea. It's that, you know, the deficit mindset where you're like the glass is half empty we're like, well, no, it's actually half full because now I have more time to do things that I would want to do. Yeah.
0: What is it that you get now? What yeah. is because that thing is out of the way? What are things that you liked from it but that you can keep? But mm-hmm. what can you do that lets you have that but also gives you a ton of other stuff? Maybe, you know, like yeah. people say with drinking or with drug use, they're like, well, now my brain is clear. So now I'm in conversations with people and I'm even more present or I feel more awake. And I think that that when you can hit that moment for a lot of these habits that we have, sometimes they can take a long time. But our biggest problem is we never even focus on the good stuff.
1: Yeah, it's so much easier to focus on the negative. But But maybe that's something that we also have to do for ourselves, right? Whether it is making something visual and and you getting the reward, whatever works best for you so that you can say, look, I've done it for me. It's that checkbox. So in my long list of stuff, that checkbox is like fabulous. But for you, it may be maybe the praise and you have to prompt somebody to tell you that. Yeah. Yeah. I
0: need to do a better job of asking for praise and not feeling guilty about it. That's I'm like, what?
1: Good job, Teresa. Look what Teresa did.
0: Oh, yeah. That really. Yeah. See, I can already feel the dopamine. <laughs> <laughs> all
1: right. Well, that was good. Thanks, America. You're welcome. You did a fabulous job today, Teresa. Thanks, America. I hope we could check this off your checklist. Yay. <laughs> all right, dude. Talk to you all next week. Keep on fighting in the open. Bye.